afternoon, everybody. My name's Tom Dennis, and I'm welcoming you all to this, the, the fourth of our 2021 Dialogues. I'd like to introduce Fiona. Fiona launched Women on Boards in 2012 to support women and men to achieve board-level positions. She's held several senior roles in the financial industry and now is a board advisor for a number of companies. She's currently on the board of Hanks and also of King's College London's Global Institute for Women's Advisory Board. Fiona is a passionate angel investor and she and her team are constantly working to lobby influential directors to push for increased board inclusivity and transparency. We're really looking forward to hear what you have to say. Fiona, over to you. Great. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Tom, for the opportunity today. Delighted to be here. And I've got a little PowerPoint. Um, I love pictures, you'll be pleased to know. I find them very engaging. So it won't be death by words, I promise you. Um, yes, my background is um, asset management. So I used to be head of global equities prior to launching Women on Boards. Um, and I didn't feel or sense the glass ceiling. Um, and I didn't really understand the issues that certain people had. And it wasn't until I became an angel investor, Tom, that I realised that there were issues and there were difficulties for people. Uh, we're all unique and we're all different. It's utterly bizarre that I appear to be leading a women's network because I could have been one of those fabulous minority network blockers. Um, just saying, I don't think we need one of those around here. But of course, I was speaking from my own personal point of view and one must not do that. Well, that's me. Um, we work off two brands, Women on Boards UK, which is a network which will support you if you're interested in board roles. We advertise them for free and we hold your hand to make sure you know how to sell yourself and your board value add. We also have the Wob Next Gen brand, which is the brand that we use to go into corporates when, again, we're talking about the boardroom because the boardroom matters. Um, and the younger you get exposure to the boardroom, the, the better. Um, but I was asked today by Tom to come here and talk about conscious inclusion and why leading collaboratively is so difficult. Um, you don't get the benefits of diversity of thought unless you can manage a diverse team. And it's very complex and complicated to do that. I work with many, many companies and they've set up all sorts of initiatives. It might be cross-mentoring, it might be women's networks, it might be programs to fix the minority. You know, that largely isn't the issue. And the budgets that companies are putting into supporting a change in their company's culture, which is the way we do things around here, are absolutely, in general, tiny. Uh, relative to their branding, relative to their leadership and development. Um, and that is an issue because at the end of the day, if you want to change your company's culture, you need somebody who's seriously influential and can influence the leaders of the company and across the company and treat it like a change program. So here's my first start slide. Most change programs fail. They fail because they, they don't follow the rules of ABC, awareness and understanding. Why the heck are we doing this? Just because the board understands it, just because the top management team supposedly understand it, doesn't mean to say anybody else in the company does. And do you have the talent, the skills, the knowledge and ability to bring everybody along with you whilst they're all saying this is a tick box exercise, this is nonsense, this is woke, this is this, that and the other. So belief is absolutely crucial. And all change programs, no matter what it is, will fail if you don't get beliefs. Of course, you're going to get resistance. 
but what you don't want is compliance. If you get compliance, you've blocked. You want commitment, real commitment, not into what we call the dead end, the dead red face. Um, it's tough and it's difficult and it does not happen overnight. I've mentioned this already. Not everyone agrees and not everyone understands. Um, you know, people feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't think I've got a slide on merit. I usually have a slide on merit. The minute I hear somebody say, um, but we do things on a merit-based system, I already know there's a problem. Merit is in the eye of the beholder and it needs systems and processes to make sure true merit is really, really happening. Now, I've got a few slides on this. You may know this. Uh, this is a self-selected group. You've volunteered to come here. You already get culture probably and you already get that diverse teams make us smarter. Um, I like the research and there's a super article coming out of Scientific America, which I'm very happy to um, share with you, Tom, for the group is, you know, these are the key messages. Diverse teams make us smarter. We don't mind what you look like, how you speak and how you walk if you can fix our PC or you can deal with an HR issue. Um, that's different. But if you really want to get the benefits, it's about innovative ideas, it's about problem solving, it's about looking at somebody else's different point of view, different products and different backgrounds. And I love this statement, it changes the way you think. There's a super piece of research out of the States where they take a load of Democrats students and a load of Republican students, put them into two separate rooms. And then they ask an individual Republican student, individual Democrat student to swap and go and present to that group a subject of their, you know, their main thing, you know, whatever, knitting, doesn't matter. And what they find is the minute you think you are walking into a group of people who are not like you with different backgrounds, you work harder. You develop, develop your arguments based on data. You really put an effort into it. And when you have diverse teams, if you're open to engaging with them, usually they raise the bar. But changing the way you think and behave is an important part of lacking of groupthink. Loads of other research, which um, I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail for, but the S&P uh, 1500 Composite Index in America shows that the more diverse you are in gender at the top of your organisation, the more you tend to spend on research and development, and that is related to performance. In the US, they've also looked at the banking sector and racial diversity, more innovative products, more products that are appropriate for your customers, your clients because you're thinking about what they need. And I know we all think that we do it, but unless you have people with real circumstances, real backgrounds and situation, it matters. Now I shove the IMF study in here because it's not about women. It, it never has been. And the more women you get at the top, over 60% and a survey of 3 million companies in this case, it was huge. Diversity and performance starts falling again. And then you've got the famous Credit Suisse research, which I will show you here. There's multiple sides, but this is not looking at women on boards. They have done it on boards. This is looking at management teams. Um, you get better share price performance. Now, I cannot prove that it's women that's made the difference. I can just infer that the more women that get through, the better the leadership team is. And it doesn't matter whether you cut it before the financial crisis, after the financial crisis, tech companies, Japanese companies, German companies, you get the same results. These companies are better managed and they have also removed survivorship bias because that is also important if you're doing proper research. 
Just because all of this research has been done doesn't mean to say any of your line managers read it, believe it or understand it. That's why it's a change program. The diversity wins report um, is there all of the time. Uh, they, they do one every two or three years. They're brilliant. Now, we know the root cause of the problem. Um, and again, the root cause of the problem and stereotypes is different for different countries and different backgrounds. And any of you working in global companies need to understand the issues in Korea for Korean men uh, or Japanese women, they're all different. But stereotypes, there are multiple forms, multiple situations, multiple areas. This is the obvious one. Men are strong, women are pretty and sweet. Um, and we all have um, biases, so nobody is blaming anyone for their biases, but we just need to recognise they exist, exist. And when people tell me they haven't got a bias, uh, they've got daughters, don't you know? I also know we have a problem because they're naively coming to this uh, subject. And I've got a super piece of research, happy to talk to you about. I've got daughters, don't you know, later on. You may think, and some people think, that people not like them cannot take risk. The issue is that you don't understand how they analyze risk and how they take decisions. And that's why it's harder. Great article just come out of Harvard Business Review looking at 163 companies over a period of 13 years to say that the, 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 more, um, the more diverse a company is, um, the, the more open you are to change. Firms that have more women appear to change the way they analyze mergers and acquisitions. It is not that they are not risk averse or that the women are risk averse. It's just they take more data, more time. They work harder and say, hold on a second. I'm not sure that M&A decision was right. So it's about the value of the mergers and acquisition that's being analyzed. And again, I don't think this is women. This is somebody from a different background and different teams. But it's super important, which is why you will find that these people are getting involved. And actually, this conversation is getting pretty boring because I've been involved in it for 12 years and I was pretty new to it um, but this group have only just started talking about it clients investors shareholders so if you really want to engage your employees it's always about the bottom line it's always about profits and it's always now about being prepared to defend your pitch defend your patch defend where your company currently sits on the diversity of their teams and that's when you start really engaging uh, young men um, and uh, men in middle management who may or may not see it's the issue. And I say men in this case, but minority men are having the same problem. We can talk about black individuals, intersectionality, disability. It's about really understanding people. Now, this lot are getting involved as well as the regulator. Um, and I think this is quite interesting from Andrew Bailey, now the governor of the Bank of England. And I think this is super. The way a firm handles non-financial misconduct, including bullying, is potentially relevant in our assessment of the firm with regard to how that firm may handle insider dealing and market manipulation and other forms of misabuse. So this is really getting the attention of the senior leadership team much more than all the women on boards movements and all that sort of stuff. But back to what I was really asked to talk about and Talking, you know, from Tom's perspective, it is important that you see that because how you articulate uh, simply what's going on in the story is so crucial to engagement. But diverse teams are much, much harder to manage. 
super research called Project Aristotle, which looked at 51,000 teams using Google Analytics and all sorts of different teams. We're looking at high performance teams and moving leaders from one team to another to see if they can. it was about the individual leader. And what they found is it wasn't. It was to do whether one or two people, three or four, were dominating a group. Because the minute you get anybody dominating a group, you get silent voices and there you start losing the benefits. So don't just uh, recruit people for diversity's sake. You will go backwards if you are not prepared and you cannot cope with it. Minorities we know want to feel competent before they're confident enough to take into a stretch situation. This could be women, this could be men, this could be different cultures and background, but it's crucial um, that they are supported and encouraged to apply. Otherwise, you don't get those applications coming in. Within your companies, do the individuals who are leading teams have the tools and the ability to encourage and support? Cross-mentoring and mentoring is a great big fashion at the moment, and I'm not saying mentoring isn't important, but cross-mentoring, be careful what you wish for. You cross-mentor, you know, Jenny with Joe or vice versa. Who's to know whether they actually know what they're talking about or dealing from their own perspectives? And actually, companies that are doing this are going backwards rather than forwards. So be really, really careful because how you engage is important. Minority networks. Kings are telling us they're not shifting the needle. They're not a waste of time. But be careful if they become self-ruling and go left field. This is what temporary special measures are about. Your employees need to know and understand this. If the individuals you recruited can't see over the wall, you might want to do something about that. And imagery helps here. Um, and this is what we're trying to do, remove blocks and support. So when people get chippy about special initiatives, because we don't want to fix the minority, that's not the problem. There's a combination of things that you have to do, not one or two things. And companies are moving from one thing to another thing to another thing, another thing and finding out none of them work. It's deeply difficult and it requires work and it requires real support and engagement. Um, now, this is UGM Consulting. We do quite a bit of work with them on our leadership program here. Systems and frameworks that worked quite well in the past do not deliver the same results today. High performance teams and organizations um, work hard to be inclusive. They don't assume it will just happen. And that is what it, this is all about. We are in a VUCA environment, whether you like it or not. Volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. If your leadership team didn't know that before COVID, and by the way, we were because of the World Wide Web and everything else, the way you lead is different. They blooming well ought to know it now. Um, and you, it's, it's, it's how consciously you work and how you chair meetings and organize things. The ABC of change. Don't get just compliance. I give up, whatever. I'll do it. Don't agree with it. Gossing around the scenes. Behavior matters how people behave, people observe. You can have as many rules and systems, but if you don't call out behavior and deal with that behavior, it means that you don't have belief. It's really, really tough. Now, um, one of the things that uh, Tom asked me to do is a few um, do's and don'ts. Don't fix the minority, they're not the problem. Do not rely on minority leaders to change. Who's going to know they know what they're doing either? I would have been a disaster if I'd been put in charge of women's engagement 10, 12 years ago, believe me. Um, don't uh, allow the minority networks to sort of self-rule. 
Uh, I've mentioned interviewing and be very, very careful with interview panels. A lot of people thinking, oh, we'll just shove a woman on there or some, put somebody um, who you know is from a certain background. It doesn't work. If the panel themselves don't change their behaviour too and have a system and a process for interviewing people on a level playing field. Um, do focus on inclusion. Do collect your data. I haven't got my favourite slides. Oh, yes, I've got my favourite slides coming. I love my favourite slides. Um, collect your data, but do it by division, department, country, area. Every department will have a different situation. Don't do blanket nonsense targets. Train and support. Encourage disagreement. I mean, for goodness sake, this isn't about agreeing with everyone. This is about analysing things, investigating things. And I've mentioned listening before. Um, and have processes transparent open processes I mean I deal with a boardroom it's different um, here's my favorite slide I love it if you have anybody on your team who doesn't like a target for people management you have to assess whether they should be a leader because we have targets for sales costs and paperclip consumption why wouldn't we have targets for analyzing how we're managing our people to evaluate not to tick box not to promote for the sake of it um, I've mentioned this already. Understand what the word merit means and avoid the word. Be really, really careful with that word because we're a meritocracy around here and yet we have no diversity at the top. It tells us something. Now, financial services are going to take a long time to change. You have to start from where you are. And there's some firms that are small partnership firms in the city. They've got no turnover at the top. It's going to be very difficult for them to change. So it's intelligent targets. It's intelligent processes. Um, Tom, how long have I got? Um, focus, just you can give, let, let me know. Um, focus on change, culture and behaviour. And treat it like a five-year ongoing thing that's not going to change. I just was joining a Zoom call and I just said I'm going to... Um, and inclusive behaviour, I've, I've got, uh, you know, this is one of our UGM slides as well. Real companies have real values and people can infer from observing behaviour of senior leaders. So it's a virtuous circle of contribution and belonging. And you get that wrong, you go into the negative side of the cycle. And that's very, very dangerous. It's hard work and you need to really want to do it. Good leaders understand people. They are incredibly complex. We are not all the same. There's more dispersion within gender than between the genders. We all have different emotional registers, working remembers, reward centers, conflict centers. You know, um, I've read a, a lot of books on, on black empowerment and, and their conflict centers and their microaggressions means that they come to things from a different perspective. Understand that. And don't assume that they do, by the way, because they might not. Um, and it's the same with women and the, the whole intersectionality of this. We want leaders that can make quick decisions and move to fast action. But every now and again, we need to think about how we're managing our people. Um, most people are promoted to their level of incompetence, which is managing people, particularly in financial services. But don't quote me. Um, disagreement. I don't want people feeling like this. I don't want my son. I've got two boys, one of which has just joined the city to feel he can never get promoted. What a load of nonsense. If he works for the right company, that is really collaborative. He'll be work for a more successful company and we're all winners, but that's hard. Um, and I mentioned disagreement. This is what we want. We want to fight. It's the wrong word here, but this is a word from Rickett Bankies of the company and Unite. 
It's engaging, supporting and being brave enough and knowing that you can say, I disagree. It's really, really important. This is not a tug of war. Now, uh, Rickett Bankiza has historically been a very successful company. And this is what Bart, the chief executive, used to say. He's not there now. Um, is If you come to our meetings, please turn up to every meeting. Craft an opinion and deliver it with conviction and data. Stay open to other people's ideas, even if they're not your own. It often uh, isn't. And let the best argument win. Feel free to stand up and shout, but don't make it personal. And listen, listen, listen to the minority's view and never pursue consensus for its own sake. Um, and again, there's a lot of work that goes. It sounds simple. It's not. So just a few more slides before we move over to... Um, uh, turn over to more of a group discussion, which I know is something Tom is, is rightly very uh, keen on, is you need to practice how you are collaborative. Being a good chair of a meeting or a team doesn't just happen. Good leaders prepare ahead. I won't talk about listening again. They state issues re respectfully. If they think there's a misunderstanding, they ask people to repeat. They have actually practiced tools that they go into, whether it's diagrams, lists, turn taking um, to identify compliments, compromises um, and it's always review and learning. So there's just a few things to think about, but I'm just trying to make the point that it's difficult. Um, lots of chat about engaging men. We engage men all of the time. This is a workshop we ran on being in the boardroom. Uh, this was a group of hoteliers who said, could we run a workshop for them? And I said, yes, of course. And men really appreciate it. They really appreciate being engaged. They're interested in the boardroom too, and they want support. So it is complex being in the diversity and inclusion space. And if you haven't got the influence with the top leaders, you've got an issue. And let's remind ourselves that 95% of our chief executives are still men. So I'm back to my one of my first slides. It's a change program. Treat it like a change program. I know most change programs fail. So what are you doing? Go backwards, go forwards, go backwards, befores. Make sure you've got that belief um, and don't allow what I cry, or describe as the dead red to derail you because they're very noisy and they're very angry. Um, I won't go through this, but we've got uh, an article on changing the dial on diversity and inclusion. It's a six page article um, and that's just a bit of a summary. Start at the top and don't box tick. And I, I, I just like this support ambition. Minorities need support and encouragement and they need information, the same information everybody else gets to be ambitious because they are ambitious. And that's just the document if you want it. And then I will just leave it on questions to ask. Boards have no experience of collaboration and leadership in general in the boardroom. So you have to ask the right questions and you have to make it strategic and you have to make it the bottom line. And those are just the five questions, which I don't think we've got time to go into, Tom. So I will probably leave it there unless you want me to talk for a bit longer, because I know you wanted to move on to um, culture and data. Fiona, thank you. Thank you so much. You've covered a huge amount of ground and th there's so much to take away from that. I'd like to just uh, leave a space now for Fiona. Would you like to close from your point of view yeah thank you so much um there is a skill in facilitation there is a skill to open people up and come 
and get people to share. And Tom has done that today. And that's about leadership and that's what's difficult. And that's what people need tools and techniques to support them to do. Imagine you being a huge company with thousands of employees, possibly around the world globe and trying to facilitate and get this done that's why it's so hard so thank you and just remember um, the boardroom sets the strategy the tone and the culture of an organization there's a boardroom out there for all of you uh, no matter how old you are no matter what level if you're interested engaged so if you're interested in the boardroom uh, do engage with my organization womenonboards.net uh, Tom's engaged with us for many many years and Tom thank you very much for the opportunity to be part of this wonderful group today thank you it's been great to great to see you and and, and really to, to hear your your passion and uh, deep experience which I've always very much valued thank you Fiona